Hi, everybody, and welcome again to our weekly podcast called Ask the Biblical Counselor. My name is Ab Abercrombie. I'm the director of the Biblical Counseling Institute, which is an education and counseling ministry committed to the sufficiency and superiority of God's Word as it pertains to all matters of counseling, discipleship, and even evangelism within God's church. And we believe strongly that counseling belongs to the church, that followers of the Lord Jesus Christ should seek counseling from like-minded people, people who are born again and who bear the, the inner working of the Holy Spirit, knowledge of God's word, so that correct and uh, divine counsel can be delivered as God has ordained in his, in his word. And so counseling is a responsibility that we all bear within the church. And as a result, almost all of us can report times in, in our lives when we have met with people uh, who are part of the body of Christ who are experiencing depression. And that's our topic for today. In fact, it's going to be our topic for the next three meetings because it's a fairly deep and a complicated issue to, to unpack. And so we're going to talk about it for about three weeks, maybe even four, if we find the necessity to do so. But what is depression? How does it occur? We've, we've probably all of us experienced depression at times. We certainly have known people who may become depressed. But the first thing I think we should illustrate is that uh, feeling depressed and having what the world calls a depressive disorder is not really the same thing. We all certainly have experienced times of disappointment, of frustration, anger, fear, anxiety, guilt. All of these things com compound and can become very chronic to the point that we become excessively sad, have a sense of hopelessness, sense of despair and depression. And that emotion and that experience is not necessarily problematic. For example, if, if we suffer loss in our lives, we're going to feel some depression. It's not necessarily because of our sin. It's not because we're processing it wrongly, but because we've lost someone of great importance to us. And we're dealing with that and working through the emotions associated with that. We have changes in our health, changes in our life circumstance. There are things that will prompt us to have emotion about our lives. And emotion in and of itself is not sinful. God implanted emotion within us. It is part of our, our capacity and our, our, uh, the reality of who we are as human beings. But while emotion is not sinful, all sin does involve emotion. And when emotion takes such an overwhelming position in our life as to dominate and dictate how we live our lives, then we have to look deeper beyond the emotion to what the root causes may be that are making uh, this, this impact in our lives that has become so debilitating. Now, if we look at the world and what the world says about depression, it's really very different than what we see in Scripture. First of all, in Scripture, I can only find three places in the NASB translation where depression or depressed is even referenced. And it really isn't referenced as a condition or as a problem that a person has that is chronic. It's, a, it's an illness or some malady that needs uh, attention. 
Uh, instead, it's uh, described largely as a transient state, a state of emotion that needs to be addressed spiritually. And so we have to take special note when when the world is saying that this condition is is a is a disorder, a syndrome, an illness. It needs medical intervention, but the Bible does not define it in that way. We have to take note of what the Bible says about it. You know, the Bible addresses many medical conditions. Jesus healed many medical conditions, deafness, blindness, uh, mute, mute, muteness. He, he, he healed uh, leprosy, fever, he even brought people back to life, but he never really healed depression, not in the sense that he would heal uh, a physical condition. He addressed depression. He addressed despair. He addressed the heart condition that leads us to a chronic state of impairment. But the Bible, I think, is very clear to point to these, these issues that we call depression. It points to them as spiritual concerns that we should really address uh, through a spiritual model. But here's what the world says about depression. And I, I think we can relate to the description. I think most of us can say, well, I've experienced at least some components of this description of depression at times in my life, because certainly we've all had disappointments and injuries. We've had losses. We've had people close to us pass away or be injured or become chronically ill. There are all kinds of things that do impact us emotionally and depression is part of what we feel in response to that. But again, it's not necessarily compromising to the point that my life becomes non-functional. But depression, according to the world, according to psychologists, is usually uh, noted as having a deep sadness or a sense of emptiness. Now, we've all been sad, certainly, in different things we respond to with uh, grief, but this is a type of sadness that becomes very pervasive. It's, it's, it's a daily kind of thing. It has very little uh, opportunities for relief. And so while there may be some moments that are good throughout the day, the person who's kind of chronically depressed is sad pretty much most of the time, if not all of the time. But this sense of emptiness, that really kind of goes beyond depression. Uh, it goes beyond sadness, rather. It, 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 emptiness is a sense that I can't really rally anything within myself that gives aid to my emotion. There's not any peace that I can find internally to ease this disruption in my life. Sometimes there's a sense of apathy, <clears throat> losing interest in things that have any pleasure or satisfaction associated with it. Often people who have <clears throat> certain hobbies or certain relationships that are a great enjoyment to them, they tend to withdraw from those things. They, they stop being with those people or doing those activities because they've just lost interest in anything of that type. Now, <clears throat> depression often has a sense of sadness, fatigue, but it also can have uh, elements of agitation and restlessness. Anxiety is very common uh, part of depression. And so sometimes depression is not just flat and and suppressing, it can be very agitated and very, very uncomfortable. And that anxiety is part of what makes the depression just so unbearable at times for people. Plus, anxiety is exhausting. The more chronic anxiety becomes, the more it, it 
it creates a wear and tear on our spiritual and emotional well-being. And, uh, and so depression sometimes will be an end result of chronic anxiety and fear. Uh, with depression, it's not uncommon to see a disturbance in sleep. People sometimes will begin to sleep to excess or they will become uh, have issues with insomnia and be unable to sleep, or there will be unusual <clears throat> disruptions in their sleep pattern. For example, a lot of times people who are depressed are able to fall asleep easily, but they awaken during the night and have trouble going back to sleep. Other people wake up very, very early in the morning and can't go back to sleep. So anything that is outside the norm, outside the ordinary for you, should be of importance to, to take note of. There are changes in appetite and the weight for people who are depressed. Sometimes people eat excessively, gain weight when depressed. Other times people will uh, lose interest in food, have no taste for food, and actually will eat too little and their, their weight will begin to uh, reduce, sometimes uh, to even to an unhealthy degree at either end of that polarity, becoming too heavy or, uh, or uh, too malnourished. Uh, with depression, often there's a diminished capacity to think or concentrate. And this really affects our work. It affects our ministry, um, even affects our relationship, because we just can't quite keep our minds in order the way that we're accustomed to. Concentration is just not as clear as it used to be. It's sort of a defilement to that process. Now, <clears throat> a lot of emotions channel into and play a part in the development of chronic depression. Some of those include guilt and, and uh, self-condemnation, a sense of self-reproach, a sense of worthlessness. So the, 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 the sense of oneself becomes extremely negative. Now, I know as Christians, we don't highlight the development of positive self-esteem. I mean, we, we highlight uh, dying to self and being submissive and humility in the working of, of Christ within us to uh, hone us into his character. Uh, but worthlessness is the sense that we are compounding or pounding on ourselves repeatedly with this very negative condemnation to the point that we can't see anything uh, of value or worth within ourselves. I know that Paul said that within me, that is within my flesh, nothing good dwells. And it's true. But in Christ, we have a renewed identity. We have an identity in Christ that should be invigorating and joyful and give us focus and vision to move forward. Well, that can be diminished. And so not only our worthlessness as a person may be highlighted in our thinking, but even our worthlessness as a Christian, we may see our Selves as a failure as a Christian uh, may become very critical, condemning of ourselves. That's a concern in this process. Uh, there can be feelings of great fatigue, loss of energy. And unfortunately, if people remain depressed for a long period of time, it's not uncommon to have pervasive thoughts of death, a desire for death, or even a uh, a more formulated plan to take one's life. Suicidal thoughts and actions can arise when depression becomes prolonged. Uh, and that, that sadness, and that grief, and that self-condemnation, the guilt and the anxiety 
it can really build into a massive storm where people feel such despair that they don't have any hope any longer. And hope is the greatest thing that we have as Christians. The world remains kind of a difficult uh, place, and that's quite an understatement. The world is hard. People are difficult to deal with. And to walk as Christ walked and to, to seek and emulate his character is challenging. And we're, we're always under this constant uh, emphasis of growth and the honing of our nature by, by God. Um, yet at the same time, depression can inhibit us to such a point that we even withdraw from our spiritual activities, withdraw from prayer, withdraw from Bible reading, church attendance, fellowship, discipleship. Each of these uh, aspects of life, as they fall away, so worsens our depression. It's, very, it's a very dangerous thing to become isolated when depressed, and the body must intervene when we see uh, members uh, of the church falling away and beginning to be overcome by the sheer scope and weight of these depressive feelings. Now, what do we do about this? How do we respond to it? First, let's, let's recognize that again, in the Bible, depression is not the issue. Depression is kind of the culmination of multiple spiritual issues and emotional struggles that eventually overtake an individual. You know, as I said, emotions are not sinful, but with a chronic preoccupation with negative feelings and negative thinking combined with a loss of sleep or inability to get enough sleep to feel rested, the difficulties in concentration, all these things they build and they build uh, to the point that anxiety becomes very frequent, grief, sadness, all these kinds of things. And I think the most common word that appears in scripture is the word despair, which is that that sense of despairing, that sense where one has lost hope. They can't see any vision any longer. They, they can't see anything beyond themselves. And when they look internally, they only see the negativity that these emotions has uh, prompted and stirred within their hearts. So instead of depression being defined as a chronic condition, it's more often referred to in the Bible within the context of one's feelings and reactions. And because of this, we have to examine our hearts beyond the chronic emotions that we bundle together as depression and seek to expose and reconcile the underlying root conditions that have become so debilitating. Scripture is clear that these emotions need resolution and that our attention must turn from self to God. Listen, when we are anxious and fearful, we are thinking predominantly about ourselves. When we are <clears throat> depressed, despairing, struggling with issues of shame, anger, all of these emotions cause us to turn inward rather than to look vertically to Christ. And the place I want to focus on today is really in the Psalms, because uh, depression is referenced often in the Psalms, despair, uh, fear sense of being overcome by adversaries and enemies, um, the, the hand of God upon people, as David uh, was corrected by the Lord in Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, uh, even depression arising out of repentance and godly sorrow. 
all these things are referenced within <clears throat> the Psalms. And <clears throat> there's one place in particular I wanted to focus on is Psalm 42. In, in Psalm 42, the, the Bible asks this question. It says, why are you in despair, O my soul? So the beginning of the, the question is, why are you in despair? You, you, you should not be in despair, really, is the implication of the question. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? That's the question. And that's the question that's asked three times in Psalm 42. It's asked in verse 5. It's asked again in uh, uh, verse 6. And the third time in uh, verse 11. And so, and in, in Psalm 43, it's asked one additional time. So four times, almost in rapid succession, the Lord through the psalmist asked, why are you in despair? Well, the psalmist goes on to answer <clears throat> this question. In verse 5, he says, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. Here's the answer. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. So why am I in despair? I've lost my hope in God. I'm not worshiping. I'm not praising the Lord. As a result, I am away from his presence. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Our proximity to Christ has much to do with our experience of depression. Now, I want to be careful to say that all depression is not due to personal willful sin. I mean, sometimes when people are depressed, they, they pound upon themselves emotionally. They're very critical of themselves that their faith is small, that they've abandoned God, that they are, they've done wrong things. And while some of that could be true, it also can become very magnified and exaggerated under the weight of the despair and the loss of hope that one is experiencing in depression. So I'm not saying that if you're depressed, it's because you're sinful. But I am saying that, that the resolution for depression, the answer for depression is Christ. And, and that in our depressive state or in the chronic experience of emotions like despair and and uh, anger, anxiety, fear, guilt, shame, the, those, those chronic emotions that form a, a root condition in my heart that leads to depression <clears throat> become very problematic, and they can become sinful, even though the initial blow, the circumstance, or the injury may not have been due to sin. For example, Someone you love, someone you're very close to may pass away. You have grief. And the impact is not because of your sin. You're grieving because of the loss of this loved one. But sometimes attached to that, there can develop anger and bitterness, unforgiveness, things that take root in the heart. And that while the beginning of the problem was not sinful, it becomes sinful because of my detachment from Christ and my tendency to compound that negative root emotion and to let it develop and take uh, control really of my life, my countenance, my, 
engagement with other people. So I'm not saying that if you're depressed, you're sinful. You are sinful. I'm sinful. But it's not necessarily due to chronic repetitive sin. But if we're not careful that in the despair of our injury, we can become so uh, engulfed by the emotions that accompany the injury that we can become sinful and detached from Christ. In verse 6, same chapter, Psalm 42, he asked, the psalmist asks the same question, O oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. So the psalmist notices again, my soul is in despair. What is my answer? I'll remember you. I will remember not just my injury, not just my pain and my unsettled heart, but I will remember you from these great stories from the land of Jordan, the peaks of Hermon, the Mount, Mount Mizar. There's a shift from this in, internal introspection to the glorification of God, the looking vertically to God. That is part of our answer. Then in verses 9 through uh, 11, in verse uh, in Psalm 42, the psalmist writes, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? But when we are depressed, we feel quite a sense of that loneliness, don't we, and that detachment from Christ. And it can seem indeed like God has withdrawn. We know, however, he never leaves us nor forsakes us. But we can feel the despair of the separation that has been created with God, either by the sin of my heart or the nature of my emotion in response to uh, various things occurring in my life. The psalmist goes on, he says, why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? So the depression here in verse 42 has to do with a situational uh, matter God's people are under attack. There are enemies around them. They're in exile. And yet they're being cautioned that in spite of their dire circumstance, do not come become subject to uh, those factors defining who you are emotionally. Uh, verse 10, it says, as a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? We've all felt similar things, haven't we, at times when we've suffered loss or we've had injustice that we experience, or sometimes even through our own actions, even through our sinful actions, we find that we've created harm or difficulty around us, and we're bearing the consequences of that uh, in our lives, maybe through God's discipline. So then then he says again in verse 11, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. Remember Job when he was assaulted by Satan, the Lord had given permission and scope for Satan to oppose Job and to bring hardship upon his life. And in like 30 seconds of scripture, Job lost everything, including his 10 children. And he's left with a wife who's telling him to curse God and die. But Job 
cried out. He said, though he slay me, I will yet praise him. The solution, Job was an upright man according to God's word, and he had been given over to Satan as an illustration of his connectedness to God, not as a punishment for his sin. And yet he suffered greatly under a circumstance that he could not understand or define. Yet his initial response was to turn back to God, to praise God. And in all of this, the Bible says he did not sin. So the encouragement here is not that you bring all of this on yourself, but that as it comes and as these emotions take root, you have the opportunity to turn back to God or to turn more deeply uh, internally to yourself in despair. In Psalm 43, the final reference is, why are you in despair? Verse 5, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Same question. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, the help of my countenance and my God, same as in the previous chapter. So why are these things repeated? The psalmist is saying you're in a dire circumstance and and you're in exile and your enemies are surrounding you. And, And I'm sure that there are people in that condition who were a part of bringing this judgment upon God's people. The sin of the nation brought about God's judgment and discipline. But there also were people who had to go into exile who were not guilty. I mean, the righteous had to go with the unrighteous into exile. And they were sometimes in a circumstance that was not of their own creation, and yet they were going to suffer. And the, But the call again is that in this circumstance, do not fall prey to these other emotions that will upend you and undermine your integrity and cause you to pull away in isolation from God. Yes, you are in exile, but you do not have to be exiled from God. The suffering of God's people in these circumstances was related to their spiritual distance with God and the earthly consequences that arose from that division. And while God's people were truly in a dire uh, circumstance, God called them to examine their proximity to himself and the scope of their trust and the quality of their praise. You know, as biblicists, we have to find a way that that, that, uh, helps us to strive to understand chronic depressed feelings as a spiritual issue. Don't give in to the notion that it's all circumstantial. It's all because of other people. It's all because of my genetics or my biological makeup. Let's look at it spiritually first, because the the rivers that run into this ocean of depression are, are things like bitterness, unforgiveness, wrath, anger, malice, shame, guilt. There are a lot of things that become... Uh, trappings for us. They become snares that Satan will use to take us deeper down into those depths, those holes. Um, As a result, we've got to look to those root conditions. That is our answer, that if, if I'm in a sense of generalized despair, and it has become prolonged, it's gone on for months, it's gone on for years, 
and I cannot seem to steady myself or lift my countenance. I cannot seem to relate the way I hope to relate. I can't function the way I should be functioning at work and in my family. Then I have to dive beneath the surface. I've got to see that, that while maybe things have happened in my life that have been painful, they're wrong, they were unjust, yet what within me is sustaining me in this state of despair? Because these emotions become sinful. They become life-dominating. And whether it's fear, anxiety, guilt, shame, whatever it may be, all these things just feed into this deep sense of hopelessness. And so it's hard when you're depressed. It's hard to lift your eyes to heaven. It's hard sometimes to pray. It's hard to, to talk to another Christian and say, I'm in this state, this condition that is so debilitating. But yet, as the body, we have to look to one another and take notice of one another and encourage and bring one another and stimulate them toward love and good works. We have to help people come along and reorient themselves to Christ, which is their remedy. And the countenance of Christ will shine upon these different aspects of the heart that are bringing about this end result of depression. People don't usually wake up on a given morning and they are chronically depressed. They work their way into that through their repetitive response to life circumstances, people, and internal thought, thoughts that they're having. And primarily we get there because of our disconnection from Christ. So there's a lot to be said about this. Now, now next time we're going to talk in far more depth about uh, examples of depression, despair in Scripture, characters in Scripture who suffered, um, how God dealt with them, how God gave them remedy for their circumstance. There also are references in Scripture where people did not come to deal with their despair well. They did not deal with their sin. They did not repent. There are people in the Bible who took their own lives, uh, unfortunately. So there's, there's much to be looked at, and we're going to do that as we go forward. But as you begin to think about this issue, and if depression has been something that has been a struggle for you, think beyond the end condition that you find yourself in presently, and look more to what types of emotional um, entrapments have helped carry you deeper down into those, uh, those places where you feel hopeless to be revived. Um, if, you're, if you're feeling guilty, well, examine the guilt. See if indeed there is sin in your heart that is a component of where you are. I mean, oftentimes people feel guilty because they're guilty. But sometimes they feel guilty out of repetition and out of life experience because this is the only type of uh, perception they've ever had about themselves, that they're shameful and wrong. So we have to unpackage that. We have to see what is at the root of this, because if we don't resolve the root, then we'll just be battling every day against this experience of depression that is so all-encompassing sometimes that it, it overtakes us. So we have to find the smaller elements that have led to the storm 
we'll look at that a lot more in the coming weeks. Okay. So thank you for this time. I know this is a tough subject, but the Bible has much to say about it. We've looked only at, uh, I think, four passages today, three passages today. But there's much that the Bible has to say to give us counsel and hope in these times of undoing. So let's look at it together as we go forward. And please return and join us next time. Okay. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, indeed, that you know our hearts and you know fully all the aspects of our struggles. You know what we have done to contribute to our own pain, our own separation from you, Lord. I pray that you would revive us and call us to see and to recover from wrong uh, spiritual positions that we hold that keep us at a distance from your great and powerful help. Lord, guide us as we go forward and make these times of instruction uh, useful. And Lord, just indwell us with your spirit and help us, Lord, to understand these matters of the heart we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. See you next time. God bless. God bless.